the outlook for the private practitioners that are out there in the market, some are bullish and some are bearish. We'll talk to the president of the private practice section, who I'll bet you is very optimistic, coming up right after this. This is PT Talker, presented by Advantage Medical. The aim of this podcast is to expose physical therapists to unique and innovative ideas to help grow their business. Each broadcast will introduce you to new concepts that will save you time, provide a better patient outcome, or lower your cost. And now, the host of PT Talker, Jeff Worrell. Tom DeAngelis. Uh, Tom is the president of the private practice section of the American Physical Therapy Association. He's also the owner of Orthosport Physical Therapy in Linwood, Washington. Tom, thanks for taking time to join us on PT Talker today. Uh, thank you, Jeff. It's a, it's a pleasure to be talking, and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, you and I have known each other for quite a while, and uh, congratulations on your presidency. I think you're in, what, is this the second year of your term? So this is my second term. I'm in the the sixth and final year of uh, being president, so it's my second uh, three-year term. Okay, gotcha. uh, Yeah. We'll finish finish up uh, this coming November at uh, the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. Uh, Hopefully uh, everybody will join us there. Yes, and we're planning on being there as well. So, you know, um, there there are people who are very positive. There's some negativity out there. We see a lot of um, angst and turmoil going on with uh, healthcare reform in the in the physical therapy industry per se, but specifically in private practice. What's your overall assessment of the industry right now as to how things are going in 2014? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Jeff. I get asked that quite a bit. And, uh, you know, overall, I am optimistic uh, for the future of private practice. Um, I think people have to remember that uh, you know, private practice has been uh, considered dead in the water many times over the decades. Uh, if you think back to, uh, and I, I think you were probably in the business back when, uh, you know, when Bill Clinton was president and uh, his wife started healthcare reform, um, you know, that was the end of private practice. Yeah, remember uh, it well. At one time, you remember that? Yeah. At one time when the, uh, the, the larger companies, the publicly traded companies, the Health South, and at that time what was Novacare and that started buying up practices at very high premiums, uh, that supposedly was the end of private practice. We were all going to go in. You know, I think what it tells us is that, that private practitioners figure it out and, you know, and they know how to uh, endure. Now, that's, that's not to say that we don't have our struggles, and that's not to say that there, there aren't going to be some practices that do go away. Uh, and I think it's it's very what I'm seeing is very regional. Uh, a good example is the market I was in in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, uh, ever since about 2007, really went downhill in terms of payment for services. Um, the The Cincinnati market itself had most orthopedic practices had uh, their own PT, so the the private practitioner lost the orthopedic referrals. And then uh, in recent years, we've seen all the physician groups being bought up by hospitals and the pressure being put on to keep those referrals in-house. A very difficult market. I think everybody knows the difficulties that they have in the state of New York. It's another difficult market and and more difficult than Cincinnati. But on the positive side, with healthcare reform, 
we have, there are a number of private practitioners who have been able to work with some of the larger systems and contract with their ACOs and start to get vertically integrated and create opportunities for themselves. So that is happening, and I think that's going to continue to happen, and I, I do believe that the hospitals will be looking more to contract with private practitioners because, let's face it, they, they can't service everybody just at their location. They need community-based facilities in order to uh, to make this work. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so that's a really good assessment and gets us started well. So um, let's maybe look at then if um, in a in a market like Cincinnati, where do you see that ending up? Do you see that um, that there would be um, that an elimination of private practices would just go away, whereas there might be private practices in other part of the country? But in Cincinnati, as, as using your example, that may be an area where it just isn't feasible to run your own practice there? Um, I, I don't think that they'll totally go away, but I do think that there are a couple of practice uh, types of practices that'll stand a better chance of surviving. Uh, one is the larger practice entity. I think I think those that have more clinic sites and have a little bit more clout uh, have a better chance uh, and and you know, surviving in a market like Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. In addition to, I think. If people think about um, you know where where are their expertise in, in, in forming a niche practice, I believe there will always be uh, there will always be room for those niche practices in markets like that where somebody has a skill set. Uh, for example, when I was there, and I'm not sure if this gentleman is still there, um, there was a practice in town that he was known as the balanced vestibular expert. Uh, even pri- other private practitioners like myself would send patients to him because he truly was the expert. Uh, and trying to get in to see him was very, very difficult because he was so busy, but that was his niche. He was he was great at it. And I, I think there's always an opportunity for niche practices. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, it's interesting, uh, depending on demographics, um, I think there could there can be opportunities in certain markets for cash-based practices that we probably haven't, as private practitioners, we probably probably haven't tapped into a lot yet. There, there are some you know, leading the way on that out there um, that uh, have done it quite well, uh, but I don't think that uh, the average private practitioner has has tapped that yet. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a lot of potential there, uh, depending, again, if you're in the right marketplace, obviously, with the demographics. Right. Let, let's just spend a second on that before we get into uh, talking about the private practice section itself and what they're doing. It, uh, regarding uh, cash pay practices, you would be speaking specifically about offering services, I don't know specifically, but maybe things like weight loss management or those kind of things. Is that what you're speaking about? Well, certainly that's that, that's one possibility. I'm, I'm speaking uh, really specifically to offering cash-based physical therapy services. Okay, so everything and just getting away from insurance. Getting away from insurance, correct. And, uh, like I said, there, there are some clinics that have done that very successfully around the country. Uh, now, the, you know what we have to. One thing we do have to get changed uh, as far as legislatively uh, is the ability to opt out of the Medicare program, because we, at this point, a practitioner, physical therapy practitioner, cannot see a Medicare patient and accept cash if they need skilled physical therapy. They have to send them to a Medicare provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could accept cash for uh, non-covered services such as uh, a. Uh, exercise programs, health, fitness, things like that. Yeah. 
but um, they they cannot come for physical therapy to a cash based clinic uh, like the commercial uh, payer would allow. I gotcha. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, let's turn our our conversation then over in the time we've got left to the private practice section and some of the things that. Um, you know, maybe the listeners might not realize are going on within the organization. How is the organization supporting private practitioners out there? What's going on? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question because, you know, I, I just spoke uh, about a week and a half ago to a private practice group here in Washington about, you know, what, what private practice section is, is doing at this point. And, you know, I told everybody, I said, you know, because I – I wear the title of president. Everybody assumes I know every little detail that's going on. And you know, I, the, the private practice section has, at this point, you know, we have a, a volunteer board of nine. We have a small staff of, of only four that run the office, and they, they do it very effectively. Uh, we have a great staff. But then we have two hundred and over 250 volunteers that really make the section work. So, if, if somebody goes to our website, they'll see numerous committees such as marketing, PR, payment policy. Of course, the one that probably stands out the most because we're most active, uh, or not most active, but we're most visible in is the Government Affairs Committee with the work that we do on Capitol Hill with yeah. our own lobbyists. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the, the primary area that we're probably visible. And, and there are a number of issues uh, that we're working on, as you know, uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, the big issue was what Congress was going to do with the uh, the physician fee schedule, the SGR cut, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know once again our elected officials. Uh, I did a did a patch for a year, which uh, what I understand is now the 17th time they've done a patch. Uh, but we were obviously very active in that uh, process and, and making sure our voice was heard. Uh, we uh, last year we had our first ever fly-in to Capitol Hill, which we did in July, and we brought over 80. Uh, physical therapists and, and some from our administrators council and to to hit the hill and take the private practice section yeah. messages to them. So, so on the government affairs side, we're we're doing a tremendous amount there. But you know, if, if people look at our website, I would encourage them to look at the annual report that was done uh, last November. There is a tremendous amount being done with education committee, payment policy, marketing, PR. I think one of the things that we we used to struggle with more was being a national section. It's very difficult to have an impact uh, on a lot of people because so many of our our issues in physical therapy are local and regional. Yes. And so what we did is uh, over the last few years we've created a couple of different opportunities for our members and or their chapters in their states or other entities to be able to uh, secure funding from PPS for issues that they might be working on in their state, such as uh, you know we have a legal aid fund for legal expenses if, if uh, people are defending a practice act or or maybe um, you know doing a lot of legal work for getting. Uh, fair copay or, or direct access, something like that. And then we also have a, a second grant request that they could put in if, uh, if it just doesn't really fit into the legal aid category. We've helped a number of chapters with uh, providing money to, to uh, try to pass fair copay legislation, that sort of thing. So, so we've, we're trying to, to help on that local regional level as much as we can, and the best way we can is to support it financially, uh, providing it makes sense and if it fits in line with PPS. Uh, what, what we're trying to do and how is a benefit to our members, obviously. So, right. 
yeah, we could yeah we could go through and look at that uh, annual report and probably talk for eight hours on uh, all the committee work that's being done and, and things like that. It's a, it's really a, a tremendous group of volunteers that are that are doing the work for the the membership. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Um, it, it, I do want to before you have to go any any update on the alternative payment system and and where PPS stands on that. Yeah, so um, you know, we haven't had a recent update on uh, where it is. Uh, we will have an update. We have a board meeting uh, in Alexandria in May, okay. and I've asked uh, Justin Moore to come in and give us an update on the alternative payment system. Certainly, um, as you probably have heard, there is a lot of discussion on the system. Some people are very supportive, uh, some people very concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, the, the big concern is payment for services. The fear, you know, we have to make sure that that whatever system we end up with is not going to cut us, you know, more than we've already been cut. Um, Some things I like about the system are the fact that we get away from a stopwatch. Uh, I hate the, you know, the way we have to account for our time and bill for our time. Um, And it it recognizes our ability to you know to use our brains, and that's what we should be getting reimbursed for, getting paid for. Um, so the the, the section itself, uh, the board itself, has taken you know we're we're cautiously optimistic, watching this play out, and you know look forward to giving our input as it continues down the pike. Um, what we're seeing right now may not be the final product, uh, but. Uh, you know, remember Congress was charged to come up with an alternative payment system. I, I want to say in 1997, wow. with Balanced Budget Act, yeah. and they never did it. And I think you know one of the things we recognize at this point is if we don't do something, Congress is going to force CMS to do something. And I don't know if we want them ramming it down our throat. Yeah. Uh, so we have to do something. But I, I think there's a lot of good discussion being had and uh, about ways to make this work. So yeah, exciting we'll, uh, times. Yeah, very good. Uh, it, yeah, and it certainly, like I said, it certainly is a, a, an area that uh, our members are concerned about right. uh, and watching very closely. Right. Very good. Okay, I've kept you longer than I promised I would. So we've been talking to the president of the private practice section for the American Physical Therapy Association, Mr. Tom DeAngelis. He is the owner of Orthosport Physical Therapy in Linwood, Washington. Tom, again, thank you very much for joining us today on PT Talk. I really appreciate the update. Uh, You're welcome, and thanks for having me, Jeff. Have a great day. Very good. And I want to remind everyone that you can pick up previous episodes of PT Talker on iTunes and spread the word. It's free to sign up at www.pttalker.com. This is Jeff Worrell. I hope you uh, feel like this information will help you to help someone get well today. PT Talker is a presentation of Advantage Medical bringing you business news and ideas for therapists. Join us each week for new concepts to help you grow your rehabilitation business. To listen to previous episodes, visit us on the web at pttalker.com or on iTunes.